my little boy had depression, I would want him to be able to talk openly about it. So I had to really set a good example and do the same thing. So it was very difficult, took a long time for me to get the courage. But I tell you what, since I've done it and come out publicly, it's a massive relief. It is the shame has gone. I don't feel any shame at all now. And I've received so much love and support from people that it's just been just filled me up and, you know, really given me so much faith that um, people are there for you. When, when you do show your vulnerability, yeah. people are there for you. They love you even more. Hi there. It's great to have you join us for the Psychological Safety Works podcast, where we bring you concrete strategies and inspiring ideas about how to confidently have important but tough conversations. Do you know businesses require by law to provide mental or psychological safety for their employees as well as physical safety? Are you aware of the risk factors that can lead to mentally unhealthy work environments? Do you feel confident your team is working at their best and being fully productive at work? We're here to help businessmen and women with all this and much more. Listen in to discover how you can build greater psychological safety in your workplace and reap the benefits of reduced business costs and increased employee productivity. And now, here's your host, Sandy Gibbons. I am so thrilled to be speaking with Melinda Schneider in this podcast, who many of you will know from her success as an award-winning singer-songwriter, her iconic theatre show, Doris Day, so much more than The Girl Next Door, Perhaps you saw her competing on the show Dancing with the Stars, or even her keynote speeches to empowered women across Australia. Now, in the context of this podcast, Belinda caught my attention when I saw a newspaper article in which she was mentioned as the new ambassador for the New South Wales Rural Adversity Mental Health Program. So Welcome, Melinda. I know we're going to share a fascinating and valuable conversation with our listeners. Oh, thanks for having me, Sandy. It's lovely to be chatting with you. Oh, lovely, lovely to connect with you. Um, And I, like so many other people, know of you through your music. And then when I discovered this part of your life, um, you and I are, I think, on a similar mission, you know, to raise awareness and reduce stigma around mental health conditions. Um, So perhaps if we could start, Um, in talking about how you became connected with RAMP or the Rural Adversity Mental Health Program and what are some of the things you'd like to achieve in being their ambassador? Yeah, well, uh, back in 2018, um, May 2018, I I had my first bout of depression um, and spent six weeks pretty much in bed, unable to really function. Um, And as I started to slowly recover from that, I started doing keynote speaking because I felt it would really help me with my um, challenges that I was trying to overcome. Uh, Although I wasn't speaking about depression at that point because I really wasn't ready to share my depression story um, yet. But I was talking about empowerment, authenticity, finding yourself, and you know breaking the cycles perhaps of your from your childhood or or your parenting cycles Uh, and uh, one day I was down at Dalgetty which is a couple of hours out of Canberra speaking to a beautiful bunch of CWA women and um, in the audience there was one of the coordinators from RAMP the Rural Adversity Mental Health Program and she saw me speak and 
that was a wonderful day. I got a big standing ovation and I performed some of my songs um, and include that those in my keynotes as well. Um, oh, wow. Now, so, now I'm really jealous that I haven't seen <laughs> one of those keynotes. <laughs> so it was, it's a, it was a lot of fun and I really very strongly connected with those women so she came up to me at the end and said Melinda I would love you to be an ambassador for the, the Rural Adversity Mental Health Program and I said oh wow you know thank you so much and I would love to be involved but I don't think I'm quite ready to talk about um, mental health because I've actually had two bouts of depression in the last two years and she went oh really and I said I oh, know I didn't even talk about that today um, so I called um, one of the, the head coordinators and she was absolutely beautiful, very patient, said, look, Melinda, we'd love to work with you and we'll be totally patient and ready for when you're ready, you know, and they supported mm. me through over, over a year of really um, prepping myself, going to therapy, uh, working through the fears that I had around coming out publicly with my story because my public image has been one of you know the girl next door a happy smiling pretty thing mm -hmm. uh, and you know I, I don't think I was feeling that my audience wouldn't even believe that I could have had depression because of my public image it's just mm -hmm. I've never told a story of struggle publicly I've always told nothing but positive stories of success and you know yeah light and beauty and all of those things <laughs> um so it was absolutely terrifying for me to come out with my wow. story wow. absolutely debilitatingly terrifying um panic attacks um you know shame you know as Brene Brown would call them a shame shit show <laughs> lots of those yeah where you know I felt um terrified that people would see me as a disappointment i'd disappoint people i'd somehow be letting them down because i i'm not you know there's more to me than just that public yeah. persona you know yeah um and you know all of those sorts of feelings really came from childhood for me where i i always had to be a really wonderful reflection on my parents so there were some very deep-seated sort of beliefs that i had that i always had to be a success so I had a lot of stuff to work through mm. um, and as I worked through all of that shame um, and accepted that you know one in four people have depression it's not just me I'm not the rarity I'm actually more the norm mm. uh, and that there's nothing to be ashamed of and if my little boy had depression I would want him to be able to talk openly about it yeah. so I had to really set a good example and do the same thing so it was very difficult it took a long time for me to get the courage but i tell you what since i've done it and come out publicly it's a massive relief it is the shame has gone i don't feel any shame at all now and i've received so much love and support from people that it's just been just filled me up and you know really given me so much faith that um people are there for you when when you do show your vulnerability yeah, people are there for you. They love you even more. Yeah, uh, and I think um, I know for me, Melinda, there's something very liberating about being the whole of me. 
that mm. it's not like okay I've got the public me and then I've got my you know dirty linen closet over here and I'm not going to let yeah. anybody see all that it's like this is me you know that wonderful song from the greatest showman um yeah love it this is me and you know if you are uncomfortable with it I'm sorry you are and I need to be the whole of me um, yeah. I'd love to um, see if we could unpick that shame factor a little bit in that um, when I felt myself sliding into a major depression this year, the year of COVID, um, I remember thinking, oh, I, I, you know, why, why, am, why is this getting to me? The isolation and the loss of income and everything, because I know all this stuff. You know, I know mental health first aid. I'm a speaker for Beyond Blue. Um, I talk about psychological safety and workplaces and how we should look after ourselves. And gee, what, what kind of sham am I if I can know all this stuff? and yet still get this sick and mm. my lovely psychiatrist who treated me in the hospital when I was sharing this with him one day he said to me you know Sandy you can be a, a, a bone surgeon specialist you know you can know everything about mending broken bones and fractures but knowing that stuff isn't necessarily going to stop you from breaking a bone somewhere yeah. in your body That's so right. That helped me lift some of that shame that I felt. But, you know, what, what do you think about why we, you know, people who go through mental health conditions experience this level of shame? Well, I think it's the shame of being imperfect. It's the shame of being flawed. And when you've been putting, like I was, putting on a public image and everyone wears a mask. It doesn't matter whether you're in the public eye or not. Everyone wears a mask to some degree some more than others. Um, but for me, you know, from the age of eight, I was on stage and recording in the studio. So when you're eight, you don't even know who your true self is. So mm. I was putting on a front and a mask of this happy little pretty thing from the age of eight. And I never really was able to change that public persona until now, you know, mm. until I had these two bouts of depression and they sort of ripped me apart and had mm. to I had to pick myself and up and rebuild myself again mm. um, and it's been a massive relief to actually accept I mean I knew I wasn't perfect of course I'd beat myself up so much internally about you know not being good enough not being enough that that was that's my that was my go-to thing yeah. all the time in, internally with my critical inner voice, but um, it was just managing people's perception of me um, and the relief to not have to do that anymore. It's a massive relief. I just feel so free because I don't have to do that anymore because yeah. I've owned my story, truly own your story. The ending's yours to write. Yeah, that's but nice. You have thought. to be ready to own it yeah um and accept it and yeah and then you can you can write a brave new ending to it instead <laughs> yeah. of being afraid of it yeah look I, I think it would be particularly challenging growing up as you did in the public eye um and feeling like you had this thing this image you had to live up to I was talking to a um retired professional elite athlete recently about their experience of anxiety and depression 
And they made the comment to me about performance anxiety and the feeling that once they became elite in what they were doing, then they had to maintain that all the time. And this person just brought tears to my eyes when they said to me, I even tried to get injured so that I could back away from having to perform all the time. And I hear something like that, and it's similar to what you're expressing there too. Um, And I think, wow, you know, I I never had to go through that in my childhood or in my adulthood, you know, living up to, I mean, it was self-created in my own head, (laughs) the standards that I wanted to, you know, the superwoman I wanted to be or expected myself to be, but nobody in the public was kind of watching me and I wasn't feeling that kind of pressure. You know, you mentioned um, Yeah, I think it's difficult. Yeah, you mentioned masks and I know the other day when we spoke, um, you, I think one of your health professionals that has helped you made a comment to you about being too strong for too long. Yeah, yeah well, that's right. She she my, was just my GP, my first, uh, who first sort of diagnosed me with depression uh, two years ago and suggested I go on some medication and I was totally anti-medication. I was like, no, I'm not going on medication. Don't even talk to me about it. I had a stigma around it initially. Mm. Um, But she said, Melinda, look, be strong, but not too strong. Um, And I didn't really see myself as strong because, as I said, internally, I beat myself up all the time for not being good enough, strong enough you know, successful enough, right, whatever, enough. Mm. And so then I sort of thought about that a lot and I thought, yes, I think I have been too stoic. I have been too strong for too long, pushing Mm. myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. Even when I had my little boy at 41, breastfeeding him for four years, nearly five years, um, that's just so hard and and my psychiatrist said to me melinda he's going to be the healthiest kid on the block but that's a lot of giving you know and again everything i do i have to do it perfectly i wanted to be the perfect earth mother so yeah i don't have to do anything (laughs) and that's that's been a negative for me for my health yeah look and, and you know talking about feeling like we're not enough um you know, there's a lot of programming in our society, you know, advertising and even TV shows and movies that, you know, have this image of a perfect life or a perfect wife or a perfect mm. mother or what, whatever. Um, and I know that um, you also have mentioned to me about being in that striving for perfection, that you were addicted to achieving stuff. And at one stage, you talked about, um, yeah. you, and you had this standard to achieve, this almost impossibly high standard, but there were only two options for you. There was incredible or there was crap. So, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I think a lot of people will, you know, that will resonate with people. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? You know, how we end up putting on these huge expectations on ourselves. 
Well, I think, you know, in my line of work, as you said, you've got to perform, you know, when, when I'm selling out the opera house with my Doris Day show or whatever, um, selling gold records behind me, um, you, you feel that pressure to, <laughs> you feel that pressure to, yes, do that again and again and again. And once you get to that point, um, I understand that how that athlete feels because it is, it is so... Um, there's a lot of shame attached to not achieving that mm -hmm. uh, because there is judgment. There, there's judgment from other people, but the harshest judge, of course, is, is myself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I, I do, I have suffered and I'm trying to um, remedy this, but from, from a lot of binary thinking, whether, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> incredible or crap, you know, um uh what else you know good and bad right and wrong you know life is gray it's not black and white so yeah, i'm learning that um i'm learning to drop my expectations because i just can't really live like that anymore i can't get into that high stress high um uh those you know unrelenting standards high performance thing i mean i'll always be a perfectionist when i get on stage i'll always want to do a wonderful show but um i need i'm starting to learn how to drop x lower my expectations not drop them all together but lower them it will, yeah. and, and probably melinda your good is other people's excellent you know that um, I don't know. well yeah it's look one of the things I um well two things that that's brought to mind um I was just talking with a group of people this morning online about what Beyond Blue promotes as the mental health continuum um, because a lot of people can think about mental health I'm okay or I'm not okay you know those, those are the two choices and like you say that binary kind of thinking Whereas the mental health mm. continuum suggests that on one end, we've got the green zone, which is highly functioning, healthy mental state, moving through to yellow, which is, well, you know, I'm experiencing some few bumps along the way, moving through to orange, which is, wow, this is feeling really challenging for me now. And then red is where we're yeah. like really finding it hard to function at all. So I, I love that idea about, um, encouraging people to think about their mental health along that kind of continuum rather mm. than I'm okay or I'm not okay because the other thing I've found and I'm interested in your thoughts on this and especially with what you've noticed in rural areas of Australia is that people almost feel like they have to be really bad you know really burnt out before they phone beyond blue or before they go to their GP um, mm. What have you noticed in that area? Yeah. This has been another valuable episode of the Psychological Safety Works podcast with Sandy Gibbons. If you know others like yourself who want to build more psychologically safe workplaces, please share this and other episodes via your podcast app, email, or social media channels. And remember, you can find show notes, resources, and subscribe to this podcast at psychologicalsafetyworks.com. We truly believe collectively we can all contribute to building happier, healthier 
and more harmonious workplaces for everyone. This Psychological Safety Works podcast is proudly part of the Experts On Air podcast network. Until next time, look after yourselves and each other.